And then there's a day coming in 1 Corinthians 15 where he says this mortal will put on immortality. This corruptible will put on incorruption. And we shall be changed in a moment, in a twinkling of an eye. The Bible says death, hell, and destruction will have no more power over your life or mine. We will see him and be like him and forever be Welcome to the Destined to Win podcast with pastor and teacher Tim Masters. Pastor Tim is the senior pastor of Victorious Life Christian Center in Flagstaff, Arizona. I'm Joe Harding, inviting you to join us for worship services Sunday mornings at 10 a.m. at the Flagstaff Middle School Complex. For more information on the ministries of Victorious Life Christian Centers or to make a donation, visit us online at vlccaz.org. That's vlccaz.org. Now with today's message, here's Pastor Tim Masters. I'm excited about today. I'm excited about what we're going to talk about. But I do want to give you some understanding and help to see and to to really grab a hold of what we're going to talk about for the next six weeks. We're going to talk about the end times. You have your notes in front of you. Now, what I always do in talking about this subject is my Bible in Ezekiel chapter 33 calls me a watchman. As a pastor, if you want to translate pastor into its truest form of word, it is the word shepherd, protector, encourager, provider of sustenance. That's what a shepherd does. Have you ever seen shepherds in the field? You know why they're always moving their sheep? As they're taking them to the best pasture. They're taking them to the best place that they could obtain the sustenance that they need. Well, as a pastor, as a shepherd, my job is to bring you the best sustenance that I can bring you. And I can tell you, I can tell you stories, I can sing, I can yodel, I can do all kinds of stuff. But the greatest sustenance that I can bring you is God's Word. And in doing so, as a watchman, as a shepherd, as a pastor, it is to help you to see things that you naturally would not be looking for. Because I don't know about you, but myself, I get caught up in the cares of the world sometime. Is there anybody here like me? Stuff happens. The world happens. Life happens. And so what I do as a pastor is to help us to understand why the things that are happening are happening in light of Scripture. So I can encourage you, challenge you, and tell you, hang on, this is going to be a rough and rocky road over the next four or six weeks. Not because it's a problem with God, Because it's a problem with us. We like to be ignorant of what's going on. We don't like to look out in the world and say, you mean all this means that Jesus could come back at any time? 
oh, you one of those guys, you, you're, you're, you're a day and hour guy? I said, no, not at all. Don't have a clue. I don't know the day or hour. I know the times and seasons. Luke chapter 17, if you have your Bibles. Let me start out by saying that we can learn a lot about the last days and his imminent return by looking at the days of two people in the Bible. Two specific men and the era they lived were talked about by the Lord Jesus himself. He said, you want to know when my return is? The title of the message today and next week Because today I'm going to be talking about the days of Lot. Next week I'm going to be talking about the days of Noah. When you talk about the days of Lot and Noah, these days stand out. And I want you to listen to me. This is not in your notes, but I want you to take careful consideration. There were only two times in the scripture that total annihilation of a people were done. One was a total annihilation of the world with a great flood. The other was the total annihilation of five cities on the plain. And both of them were for the exact same reason. And the next annihilation, the Bible says, is not going to be done by flood. It will be done by fire. And God says that he will not destroy the earth. He said, I will create a new heaven and a new earth. I will renew. I will deal with all of the filth, all of the garbage, all of the stuff. And how is he going to do it? With the word of his power. The Bible says in John chapter 1 verse 1, In the beginning was the word. The Word was with God, and the Word was God. You drop down the 14th verse, it says, In the same was in the beginning with God, is the second verse. It goes in the 14th verse and says, And that Word was made flesh and dwelt among us, and we beheld Him as the only begotten Son of the the Father, full of glory and truth. Jesus said, Heaven and earth will pass away, but my Word will not pass away. The same word he created everything with in the beginning. Folks, I believe in creation. I believe in a literal translation of the Bible that the earth is approximately 6,000 years old. I teach that. I stand on that. I believe that death came as a result of sin. It didn't come because some Oozing goo started in the middle of, God only knows where Darwin figured this out. Well, I know where he figured it out from the abyss of hell. But still, that's not my notes. This is all free stuff, okay? But the reality, if we take and our stand becomes anything other than that, you might as well throw it away. Because Jesus died for nothing. Does that make sense? The Bible says that he died to fulfill the requirements of the Father, and that is an innocent life to pay the price for once and for all. Heaven and earth will pass away, but my word will 
not pass away. The same word that created everything in the beginning, it's the same word that's going to recreate everything. And he started by recreating your life and mine. Second Corinthians chapter 5 says, if any man is in Christ, he is a new creature. Old things have been passed away. All things become new. And then there's a day coming in 1 Corinthians 15 where he says, this mortal will put on immortality. This corruptible will put on incorruption. And we shall be changed in a moment, in a twinkling of an eye. The Bible says death, hell, and destruction will have no more power over your life or mine. We will see him and be like him and forever be with him. Are you ready for the ride? Oh, this is going to be good. Pray with me. Father, we thank you, Lord, God, that you're going to open the eyes of our understanding today to understand, to see, to comprehend. God, that we could grow in a world that's dying because we know what is happening, what we're looking at. And God, we thank you that you'd help us in Jesus' name to put this into our hearts, our lives, our spirits, that we would understand more today than we've ever known. And over the next few weeks, God, that we would have an answer of hope, as it says in 2 Peter, that we'd have a reason for the hope that we have that we can share with others in Jesus' name. There's, there's folks in the church that while we're talking about this subject, that if you would like to, they know a lot about it. We've talked about it a lot. Stephen Hill, uh, Gary Fox, uh, myself, uh, you know, uh, there, there's just there's there's several people that you can come to, and my mind just went blank. That how many the train leaves the station too often? I got it loaded with all kinds of information, but it takes off before I can plug into it. They say that's one of the things of older age, isn't it, Rick? Yeah. And I don't know what's going to happen when I get to that older age. The days of Lot they stand out as the two extreme judgments. Total annihilation, one of the entire world, one of an, of an entire people group. So I want to tell you today, look at the days of Lot and ask the question, why would Jesus use it as a picture of the last days? Luke 17. And the world will be as it was in the days of Lot. People went about daily business, eating, drinking, buying, selling, farming, building, until the morning Lot left Sodom. Now stop there and look at me for a second. This is very important to understand. What they're saying is life became very normal. Even the stuff that was happening in life was accept- in Lot in Sodom and Gomorrah was accepted in the cities of the plain. It was accepted as this is real life. This is normal life. This is the way life's supposed to be. And they were going about even Lot his sons-in-laws, his daughters, his wife. But when he left, he said, fire and brimstone rained down from heaven and destroyed them all. Yet it will be business as usual right up until the day the Son of Man is revealed. Look at me. The world is trying to desensitize God's people to say this is normal, this is life, this is what it is. It's not, according to God's word. It's not what it's supposed to be. In John chapter 10, the Bible says, I have come that you might have life, and that life more abundant. 
The Bible says in Proverbs chapter 3 that we need to seek, uh, uh, we need to uh, trust in the Lord with all of our heart. Lean not to our own understanding, but in everything we do, acknowledge Him, and He will make sure we're still on the truth path. Matthew chapter 6 says, Seek first the kingdom of God, His righteousness, all these other things. What is he talking about? Well, if you look at chapter 6, verse 31 and 30 and 31, he said the world's looking for this, the world's looking for that, the world's looking for all this stuff. And Jesus says, if you'll just trust me, seek me, put me first, even the stuff the world's looking for, I'll take care of in your life. The world is trying to desensitize us to say, hey, this is just the way it is. This is just what people do. This is the way life works is all things were accepted as normal. Let me jump into number one really quick. Got a long way to go and a short time to get there. The politically correct term today for society in every form is a word called tolerance. My speaking on this very subject today would be considered intolerant. How many know your pastor is not intolerant? I'm just a long ways from politically correct. I just, I'm as far, as far from politically correct as you can get. You say, preacher, is that a good thing? According to the Bible, it is. Well, is that all you do is go back? I had a guy tell me, you use too much Bible. And this was a pastor in a church. I said, well, what do you use? Seuss? Uh, yeah. I mean, now I understand. I get a lot of my revelations from Charles Schultz and the Peanuts gang. I remember Charlie Brown, I read one time, and, and he was talking to Lucy, one of those real deep conversations, and he said, Lucy, I love the human race. It's people I have a real problem with. And I've always had a real problem with Christians that won't use a lot of Bible. Because folks, the minute we get out of this book and get into some of the book, that's when we got to start realizing something's going wrong. Am I doing okay so far? I just want to lay a foundation to help you understand I'm not very politically correct. Still, I'm not politically correct because I have a mandate, and that mandate is preach the word without compromise. But that is what makes you and I intolerant in this world. Why? Because from kindergarten to university, the halls of society to the halls of Congress, worldwide we are finding an ever-increasing form of wickedness, and I use that word purposefully, wickedness, as we hear the increasing cry for tolerance. Let me take you back to the days of Noah. I'm not going to spend time there, but I'm going to touch on it just real quick. In Genesis chapter 6, verse 5, the precursor to the days of Noah, the destruction of Sodom and Gomorrah and the cities of the plain that we'll get to next week. The Bible says the Lord saw how great man's wickedness on the earth had become. And underline this in your notes if it's not already underlined. That every inclination of the thoughts of his heart were only evil all the time. In other words, it became the norm of society to tolerate anything and everything. And so people just went on with life as usual because this is what it is. Are you with me today? Listen, every inclination, every thought of man's heart was evil continually. Let me ask you a question. Are we there? 
When you look around and you start seeing things, do you see godliness or worldliness? Do you see a propensity to righteousness or a propensity to evil? I mean, I, I, I sit, I, I don't hardly watch TV at all. My wife and I have this big old TV. We just, you know, we got it because we like to watch the news. And I bet if we watch two hours of TV a night, if that's, that's, that's a huge, it's usually the news. But every once in a while, I'll flip over to a, to a channel. They might have Pirates of the Caribbean on. Pastor, you watched that ungodly thing? Yes, I did. That's okay. They might have, what's another movie, Heather? Only ones that we can talk about in church. What? Pride and Prejudice. She had to think to make sure it was that. We could watch that. <laughs> Just teasing. But think about it. Lots of movies. How many of them are promoting godliness and righteousness and holiness? I flip it over to the station, and I'm watching. I'm watching. What did I say I was watching? Pirates. And you know what they have for the commercial? Call me, sweetie, at this number if you want to just talk on the phone. I'm looking at my wife thinking, my Lord, and we clicked the channel changer. But how many find that kind of stuff just a normal TV? What is the world producing a propensity towards what? Righteousness, godliness, wickedness, or evil? Every inclination, every thought is purposing that this is what society is. A $16 billion a year industry is pornography. The number one industry in the media of America. Basic morals are changing so quickly these days. Man's heart is being caught up in it. And don't raise your hand, but how many have kind of got the point, that's just life? It's just what it is. As it was in the days of Lot. Let's go to the scripture, 2 Timothy. But understand this, in the last days will come, will set in perilous times of stress, great stress and trouble, things that are hard to deal with and bear. I'm reading out the Amplified Bible. So when there's these little, ast- or these little uh, brackets and things, that means they go back to the original Greek in the New Testament and they give a fuller understanding of what the terms and the words actually mean. For people will be lovers of themselves. Do you know the number one problem they're having with counselors today? The biggest thing they're, they're counseling is to help people deal with narcissism. You know what narcissism is? It's the total, incurable, if you will, idea of self-love. It's all about me after all. I know it doesn't affect anybody in here. I just thought I'd throw that out there. People will be lovers of self. Huh, that was, okay, it is in the Bible, isn't it? And utterly self-centered. Lovers of money. Folks, I don't love money. I'd love to have a little bit more, but I don't love money. People say, well, you can't have money and be a good Christian. There's actual churches out there that take vows of poverty. The problem is it's contrary to God's word. The love of money. 
is what is the problem. And it says, lovers of money. And aroused with inordinate greed or desire for wealth. Why do you think the laundry has gotten so big? Proud, arrogant, contemptuous boasters. You ever been around those folks? If you've done it, they've done it better. If you know it, they knew it longer. If you are it, they come out in the Superman costume. Look at me. They will be abusive, blasphemous, scoffing, disobedient to parents. No generation on earth has ever been so disrespectful to parents as the generation we live. Relentless, admitting no truce or appeasement. Bless God, I'm right, and if you want to fix it, you get on your knees. They will be slanderers, false accusers. That's what that term, relentless, uh, they don't want truce or appeasement. They want you. They're never wrong. You're, they're always right. Everybody else is wrong. They will be slanderers, false accusers, troublemakers, intemperate and loose in morals and conduct, uncontrolled and fierce haters of what is good. They will be treacherous, betrayers, rash, and inflated with self-conceit. Do you see that underlying reality in there? That self-love? That all-about-me scenario? They will be lovers of sensual pleasures, vain amusements, more than and rather than lovers of God. Stuart Briscoe, who's a pastor in England, said, When I was young, there were many vices and many virtues. Things morally right to be desired and things that were morally wrong to be rejected. But today, he says, we are headed for a society that has only one virtue and one vice. The one virtue that is to be desired above everything is tolerance. And the one vice, the one thing that is rejected by everyone is intolerance. Let me show you a little video clip that we have up here. Over the last few weeks, we've had this inordinate amount of issues about, about you and I paying for birth control in the Obamacare package, about you and I having to pay for things that we don't believe in. And I, wanna, I brought this article up because it says there's an assault on the First Amendment that will hurt our economy. Now, if you notice the date on that, it was about four weeks ago. I tried to get the latest stuff that's in the newspaper Four weeks ago, and roll it up a little bit so I can see the bottom there. It, sa it says that these days, the First Amendment right to freedom of religion. You hear what it says? Freedom of religion is coming under increasing assault from the government. At every level. And it will be, it will cost us dearly financially, and in liberty. And the reason is because man is looking for someone else to blame, somebody else to pay and to excuse their irresponsibility. And in the church of Jesus Christ, it's going to press down on us that we take the Bible too literally. Let me take a moment and look at that thought. What about taking the Bible too literally? We have seen church after church after church tone down the literacy or the inerrancy or the mastery of God's Word, and we see the picture. 
that the world has become so churchy and the church has become so worldly, you can't tell much of a difference. As it was in the days of Noah, they ate, they drank, they built, they lived, they lavished, they did all of this. It became the norm that we just accept life the way it is and we move on. Am I making sense today? Is it, does anybody think it's a little picture of where we're at? I just want to make sure it wasn't just me. There are so many revising the Word of God to fit their agenda and the things that seem right in their own eyes for what purpose? To remove the condemnation and the judgment they feel within themselves. Brothers and sisters, listen to me. We don't have to judge or condemn anybody. They already feel judged. They already feel condemned. Why? Because the Bible says they will. The Bible said they would. But the only way they can deal with the judgment and condemnation they feel upon themselves is to lash out at where they think it's coming from. Look at somebody and say, I guess that's me. Because I'm living for God. Remember, we're talking about the days of Lot when God brought his judgment. Let's go to Genesis 18 and start looking at those days. When the men got up to leave, talking about the angels, there were two angels that were visiting Abraham. Most scholars believe one of the angels was Jesus himself, and the other was Michael, who is the great archangel of the, ar of the army of God in heaven. Curiously, why would God himself come down to walk on the earth prior to Calvary? Why would God bring his most armed military man with him? Let's go on. They looked down towards Sodom. I think God had a plan, didn't he? And Abraham walked along with them to see where they were going to go and where their way was. And then the Lord said, Shall I hide from Abraham what I am about to do? Ladies and gentlemen, this affects you and me today, so please listen. Am I to hide from Abraham what I'm about to do? Abraham will surely become a great and powerful nation. All the nations on the earth will be blessed because of him. And then the Lord said these words. He said, Abraham, the outcry against Sodom and Gomorrah is so great, and their sin so grievous that I will go down and see if what they have done is as bad as the outcry that has reached me. Now think about this is God. The God that knows everything, omniscient God, omnipotent God, all-knowing, all-powerful, all-seeing, everywhere all the time. Why is he coming down to see what's going on? Let's go up to the verse of, ahead. Shall I hide from Abraham what I'm about to do? Look at me, brothers and sisters. The reason I'm preaching what I'm preaching is because to them, we're the only hope they have. God wants us to see what's going on. God wanted Abraham to see what was going on so we would understand why what is coming is coming. Am I making sense this morning? Let me expound a little bit. I use the word lightly, but the word is Reverend Troy Perry, founder of the Homosexual Metropolitan Community Churches, wrote, I'm excited to share one of the most important theological breakthroughs in the 33-year history of our churches. And if you have this Bible, uh, winter's coming, you can use it to burn in the fireplace. 
the New Oxford Annotated Bible has adopted much of the community churches, metropolitan community churches, own scholarship and theology with no biblical condemnation of homosexuality, only prohibitions against misuse. Just as there is no condemnation against heterosexuality, only prohibitions against misuse of the, that's what they call it, gift. The Oxford Annotated Bible is edited in part by pro-gay and feminist scholars who adopt the gay revisionist interpretation of the Holy Scriptures, such as God destroying Sodom and Gomorrah. Listen to what their reason is. For the sin of inhospitality, not the sin of homosexuality. In the days of Lot, the Bible says men's hearts were so wicked and the Lord was so grieved that he made man. Though he wanted repentance, though he wanted restoration, man would not stop, man would not change, so judgment came. In society today, we see this grievous sin growing leaps and bounds. Once again, forcing us to think it's normal. You think judgment's coming? The intolerance, quickly, of tolerance will soon be intolerant. Judges chapter 17, the Bible says in those days, there was no king, there was no rule, there was no order. In other words, there was political correctness. It says, everyone did whatever was right in their own eyes. Proverbs 21, all a man's ways seem right to him, but the Lord's looking at the heart. Folks, let me tell you something as a pastor. I can't make anybody believe anything. All I can do is preach the truth of God's word. And people say, well, preacher, that's your interpretation of the truth. No, it's the Bible's interpretation. Because I chose a long time ago not to try to interpret the Bible. I learned that you let the Bible interpret the Bible. And that's where you get the truth. I got one amen out of the whole church. You let the Bible interpret the Bible. The minute you let man's word interpret the Bible, what, what do we have? We have corruption. The politically correct agenda that has been sweeping this country and this very world is trying hard to silence one voice, and that is the Christian voice. Why? Because the Word of God is diametrically opposed to it. We're talking about the last days. We're talking about the end times. We're talking about the fact that the Bible says today's society is calling good evil and calling evil good, and you're bulletins today, you have an extra sheet of paper that I put together. They have several things listed. Not, I mean, there's so much stuff you can't even list it, but you can take it home, read through it. But look at this little quote or this little segment that I found on the the, uh, internet just this morning. It's It's a link called Stand to Reason. It says, probably no concept has more currency in our political correct culture than the notion of tolerance. Unfortunately, one of America's noblest virtues has been so distorted, it has now become a vice. In the little circle down here at the bottom, this approach is very popular with postmodernists, which is where we live today. 
that breed of radical skeptics whose ideas command, listen to that, command unwarranted respect in the universities, their rallying cry, there is no truth, is often followed by an appeal of tolerance. Are we learning something today? Is it, am I giving a little bit of a picture of a society that we live in? Evolution is taught as a fact in your notes, the little handout, even though it cannot be proven by any stretch of the imagination. Belief in a single cell that it could evolve with its thousands of separate processes is comparable to believing that an atom added together with time and chance could form the functioning nuclear power plants and could stimulate developing intelligence. Parents are told that we cannot discipline children physically because, you know, you might damage their emotions. Though the scripture says, spare the rod, spoil the child. Preacher, you really believe that? It's in the Bible. Now, you don't beat the child. But the Bible says that the rod of correction drives the evil spirit that is tormenting your child away. Homosexuality is being pushed as a normal behavior, even though the Bible and common sense, along with medical science and nature, testifies that its practice is unhealthy and abominable. The only creature on this place that attracts itself to its own kind, male with male, female with female, is humans. Humans. Even the animal kingdom has enough sense to know a boy and a girl is different. Pastor, that's sarcastic. I apologize, but it's true. Let's go on. As it was in the days of Lot, so shall it be. It is a scary reality, the acceptance and the practice of such gross sin is happening even in the church. Scripture specifically says the wrath of God is held and will be given out. And he said he will turn these to sinful desires of homosexuality because they would not believe the truth. Let me take you to just one of multiple scriptures. Romans chapter 1. The wrath of God is being revealed from heaven against all godliness, godlessness, wickedness of people who suppress the truth by their wickedness. Listen to that. They suppress the truth by their wickedness. Since what they may be known, what may be known about God is plain to them because God has made it plain to them. For since the creation of the world, God's invisible qualities, His eternal power, divine nature, have been clearly seen, being understood from what has been made, so that people are without excuse. For although they knew God, once again, the Metropolitan Church, they want to know God. They want to worship God. They want to be Christian. So they have to go in and qualify their lives. By excusing God's word. He said they were without excuse. Because although they knew God, they never glorified him as God, nor give thanks to him. But their thinking became futile and their foolish hearts were darkened. Although they claimed to be wise, they became fools. Therefore God gave them over to their sinful desires. 
to the sexual impurity, the degrading of their bodies with one another. They exchanged the truth about God for a lie. Folks, I'm not just talking about homosexuality. I'm talking about pornography. I'm talking about promiscuity. Listen to me. If you're, mar- if you're not married and you're living together, it's called sin. Well, pastor, we're living together. We're not sleeping together. This is ugly, not stupid. Now, granted, understand, society says that's the norm. God said a sin. Adam, I'm going to have to preach that message on offense again, aren't I? So people don't get offended. Okay. Can we go on? They exchanged the truth of God for a lie. They worship and serve the Creator. They, 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 they worshiped and served the created more than the Creator who is praised forever. Amen. Because of this, God gave them over to shameful lust. Even their women exchanged natural sexual relations for unnatural ones. Even in the same way, men also abandoned natural relations with women and were inflamed with lust for one another. Men committing shameful acts with other men. And listen to this, and received in themselves the due penalty for their error. Let me step back to a second. I know there's lots of reasons that in this society, the church has accepted cohabitation. They've accepted a lot of different things that the Bible totally prohibits. Bottom line is we don't like to offend people. We don't like people to leave the church. We don't like people to, you know, not be happy, be blessed. I want everybody to be blessed and be happy. But can I tell you something? If I, as your pastor, make you blessed and happy and encouraged and and jovial and everything right here, and the rapture happens, and you're still here when I'm gone, Well, number one, if I was doing that, I'm not going to be gone either. But how happy would you be if the rapture happened, you knew about the rapture, and you were left here to go through seven years of literal hell, and you knew the only escape was, biblically, to lose your head, to be a martyr, to die? Well, I'm I'm just going to go hide somewhere. According to my Bible, there's no place to hide. The best place to hide is in the loving arms of Jesus Christ today. That's the best place to hide. Come on, it's okay. You can clap. You can. That's the best place to hide is in right relationship. Last weekend, let me just quickly. Uh, last weekend, Jerry Brown, the governor of California, signed into law the so-called reparative therapy law. And what the law means is that minors, young people who feel a self, uh, 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 an attention to a self or a same-sex attraction, counselors cannot counsel them contrary to that. In short, they will not be permitted to help these people change their sexual orientation or behavior even if the young person wants to. Do you know why? They... The LGTB XYZ society 
wants us to believe this is normal. They don't have a shred of evidence scientifically. They don't have a shred of evidence biblically. Ladies and gentlemen, it's called choice, not chance. I wasn't born that way. I made a decision. And now in California, you can't even try to help them without going to jail. Genesis 18, the Lord himself came down to visit. Do you know why? He came down to help Abraham see, I don't want to bring judgment. I want to bring repentance. And he wanted Abraham, who was going to be the father of all nations, he wanted Abraham to see the chance that God wants to give people to bring justice and healing to the innocents. But as we've seen already, man is trying to excuse the severity of sin so grievous that the Lord himself came down to see. Despite what some scholars try to teach, those that have their own agenda, the clear destruction of Sodom and Gomorrah was because of homosexual, promiscuous, vile life that has spread to five different cities, and God destroyed them all, except for one little city that is actually called a, a small town. It's a place called Zoar. Lot was leaving Sodom, and the angels said, flee to the mountains and don't look back. A, a Lot said, this is too far for me to go. Can I go to Zoar instead, the small town? He said, yes, we'll spare that town. And that's exactly what happened. We'll get into the story a little bit further in just a moment. But the Bible says very particularly, Jude chapter 7, in a similar way, Sodom and Gomorrah and the surrounding towns gave themselves up to sexual immorality and perversion, and they serve as the example of those who will suffer the punishment of eternal fire because of it. Jesus contrasted his return to the days of Lot, helping us to understand the sexual perversion in the form of homosexuality, promiscuity, pornography, and all the different things that are, that are rampantly taking over the world and the church world even accepting will be the precursors of his imminent return. So-called Christian ministers... They just call it an alternative lifestyle, which should shock every one of us. Let me show you another clip. Christian, Christian Post, Opinion, October 4th, 2012. Why no denomination will survive the homosexuality crisis? Why no denomination will survive the homosexuality crisis? Folks, we are on their radar. We are on their target. Their objective is to infiltrate. Now you say, Pastor, what happens if they come to our church? We love them. Oh, that's horrible. Sin, the Bible says, is sin. Relations outside of marriage is comparable to that lifestyle. With the one exception. There is great deception that goes with homosexuality. A great spirit of delusion that goes with it. 
because they know that it's not natural. They know it's not God. They know it's not permissible. But they excuse what God says because of their own desires. Let's go on to say, denominations like the, like the uh, Presbyterian Church of the USA, the uh, Evangelical Lutheran Conference, um, I forgot what RCA is, United Methodist Church, the Episcopalian Church, the American Baptist Church. It hasn't made it into the Southern Baptist Convention yet. Uh, there have been splits off of it already, that churches that do recognize it. Why? Everybody's doing it. Genesis chapter 6. The earth was corrupt before God. The earth was filled with violence. We're going back to the days of, not now, of Noah now. So God looked upon the earth, and indeed he saw that it was corrupt, that all flesh had corrupted their way. All flesh had turned from the normal activity. Doesn't mean there wasn't heterosexual activity. But all flesh accepted as the norm that this is what it is. And God said to Noah, the end of all flesh has come before me. The earth is filled with violence through them. And behold, I will destroy the earth. The earth. Let me wrap this up in the next 10 minutes. As I've shared, every time we get into the end times, my, my Sunday morning sermon is a little bit longer because there's so much stuff to cover in a short amount of time. Is everybody okay with the time so far? We're going to still meet, beat the other churches to, to lunch, so don't worry about it. Because believe it or not, most of them preach longer than I do. So will God judge the righteous with the wicked? Class number five, or session number five, I believe it is, of this course, I will specifically deal with the rapture of the church and what the Bible says. But let me make some statements here. Genesis 18, let's read. The men turned away and went towards Sodom. Abraham remained standing with the Lord. And listen what Abraham's cry was. Lord, will you sweep away the righteous with the wicked? What if there's 50 righteous? Will you sweep away the, the city and not spare the 50 righteous? Far be it from me, from you, Abraham says, to do such a thing, to kill the righteous with the wicked, treating the righteous and the wicked alike. Far, far be it from you. Will you not judge you, the judge of all the earth, do right? Folks, understand, the wrath that is to come upon this earth is not for the church. It's not for the righteous. That word righteous means those who are in right standing with God. As it was in the days of Lot, the Bible says, so shall it be. God's patience with sinful man has its limits, and judgment will come. Paul was in Athens in Acts chapter 17, and he said, God overlooked man's ignorance for a time, but now he commands everyone everywhere to repent, for he has set a day when he is going to judge the world. That day is called the day of the Lord. The day of the Lord is a term that defines the judgment of God that is coming in the last days. It is not a 24-hour literal day. It is a period of days that is called the tribulation. Daniel's 70th week, Jacob's trouble. You can find it in, in, in number uh, Daniel chapter 9, Revelation throughout the entire book, throughout Ezekiel, throughout... Uh, all over the Bible. It's just in there, okay? 
It is a seven-year period that is very clearly outlined. The judgments during this time can be seen. And we see specificity in Revelation chapter 6 through 19, Isaiah 2, 6 through 22, 13, 6 through 16, and Isaiah 24 contains very concise. Joel talks about it. Ezekiel talks about it. Graphic times of the judgment that God said is going to come. And a nation that practices licentiousness, sexual activities will pay the price God intended for us to know that this is happening. Now understand, God wants us to have the joys of intimacy. But it's confined in marriage between a man and a woman. It is the way he has designed. And he said all others will have consequence. Hebrews chapter 13, marriage is honorable among all. The marriage bed is undefiled. Listen, but fornicators and adulterers shall be judged. Lot lived in Sodom. Lot lived in, in that area of Sodom and Gomorrah. The people in these cities lived a filthy lifestyle, embracing everything from homosexuality to the most vile and sinful lifestyles imaginable. It was so Lot's, it was so, the life was so grievous that Lot's own heart was grieved by observing the conduct. The question I have to ask is how many millions will receive God's judgment because of adultery, because of fornication, because of homosexuality, because of promiscuity, because of pornography? And let me fill in the blank. How many do you want to put in there? If you and I will not be like Abraham, God walked by him and said, Abraham, this is what I have to do because of what they are doing. I want you to see this because you need to tell the world. You need to tell the world. The main difference between Noah and Lot was Noah's family was saved. Lot's entire family wasn't. He went to talk to his sons-in-laws. They weren't married yet, the daughters and the sons. The sons thought he was joking. You can read it in, in Genesis 13. They thought he was joking. Why? Because life had become so normal. Hey, we're, we're prospering. We're blessed. We're taken care of. There has been such a vicious attack upon the family in these last days. But we sit back and think, well, that's just normal. The only protection is a commitment to God, brothers and sisters. A desire to live for Him, to do His will. Lot, listen to Lot. He never even asked God. What do you think about Sodom and Gomorrah? Abraham and Lot are standing on the hillside. And Abraham, he just said, whatever you want. And he spied the cities of the plain and saw they were prosperous, saw they was fun. Folks, everything that glitters is not gold. Just because things are going good doesn't mean they are good. I ask people all the time, is God leading or is the devil tempting? And you will understand that. I'll understand that as I say, God, what do you think? We've looked at this church building that we were talking about buying. and I tell people all the time, I'm not really looking for God's will. I'm looking for God's plan. You say, why not? Because I already know God's will. God's will is that we have a place of our own, a place of permanence. But I want to find the place that's his plan. Lot didn't even ask. He just saw, man, that place looks good. 
I can prosper. I can even become somebody. Oh, where was that else was that said? Oh, yeah, about 10 chapters earlier in Genesis 3, Eve was standing before a tree, and the serpent said, Oh, the apple looks good for food, and it can really make you something. You'd be wise. Matter of fact, you'll even become like God. As it was in the days of Lot, the fact that Lot and Noah were both spared gives us a great understanding that the judgment still came. Being committed to God, brothers and sisters, is what's going to save us from that judgment. The fact that Noah was right before God in the midst of the godless world demonstrates that nobody has to live in sin. We don't have to accept it as normal. The fact that Lot could live righteous in a city that was so perverse tells you and I, we too can live righteous. Second Peter chapter 2, and I close as the piano comes, prayer team prepares. God did not spare the ancient world except Noah and seven others in his family. But Noah continually warned the world of God's righteous judgment. So God protected Noah. When he destroyed the world of ungodly people with a vast flood, later God condemned the cities of Sodom and Gomorrah and turned them into heaps of ashes. He made them an example of what will happen to ungodly people. But God also rescued Lot out of Sodom because he was a righteous man, sick of the shameful immorality of the wicked people around him. Yes, Lot was a righteous man who was tormented in his soul by the wickedness he saw and heard day after day. Folks, we're not going to change the world, but we're going to reach a few of them along the way. If we'll do what we're supposed to do, and that's telling. Judgment, yes. I'm not a bearer of bad news, folks, but I am a preacher of truth. Judgment is coming. When? I don't know the day. I don't know the hour. But all you got to do is look around. Have I described the days of Lot today? Or have I described the days of America today? As it was in the days of Lot, so shall it be. Next week, we'll continue this series as we talk about the days of Noah. I'm going to do something that I've not done in our church before, but I'm going to talk about some very mystical and spiritual things in next Sunday's. I'm going to talk about the Nephilim, a demonic hybrid with humans that were prevalent in Lot's time, Noah's time. You say, Pastor, I thought God destroyed the earth. That's right. But the Bible specifically, as we'll talk about next week, said, and after the flood, the Nephilim were still there. 
Pastor Tim Masters with this week's message on the Destined to Win podcast. Destined to Win is made possible with the prayerful and financial support of those destined to win. To donate online, visit vlccaz.org. That's vlccaz.org. Destined to Win is a production of Victorious Life Christian Center with services Sunday mornings at 10 at the Flagstaff Middle School Complex. I'm Joe Harding. For Pastor Tim Masters and the congregation at Victorious Life Christian Centers, you're invited to join us here next week for another edition of the Destined to Win podcast.